Hello? Is one ugly mother... Yes, he is. <laughs> Hello, William. Hey, what's up? Not too much. How are you? Good, good. Yeah. Oh. And I thought maybe it was the lobotomy. <laughs> I need one, i tell you what. He cut out his brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to do to me. <laughs> Back to the bin. Somebody posted a uh, picture of John Romita Jr.'s Superman. I can't. I can't look at him without the red shorts and think he looks right. It just looks wrong. Because you're right. It is wrong. It's an abomination. I mean, you would think it's been, God. what, two and a half, three years now since they started the new 52? You would think I'd at least be used to it, and I'm not. Is that thing going to end yet? It, there's rumors that it's going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's rumors I might win the lottery, too. No, there's not. <laughs> I can dream, can I? <laughs> All right, so I have a friend, fellow teacher. No, no, you don't have any friends. Shut up. Did I ever tell you what happened? When... Is this real life with Dr. Bill Robinson? You uh, you can make it one if you want. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for real life with Dr. Bill Robinson. I think I've told this story, though. So, I had a, uh, a bilateral ear infection. That means I had an ear infection in each ear. And oh, you, you know, those medical terms, you had me lost there for a minute. Well, you know, you know I am a doctor. <laughs> But that's <laughs> never would have figured out what bilateral meant. <laughs> well, the, well, that's what the doctor says. He goes, "Well, you have a bilateral ear infection." I'm like, "Bilateral? I'm like, I got it? What? An ear infection in both ears? Yeah. Why didn't you just say that?" Well, because I went to the doctor because, and this is how I figured out what was going on. I was, I, I had Voyager playing in the background. This is when it was still on 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 the air. And I'm starting to hear things, and it just didn't sound right. And and I realized that for some reason, because of the ear infection, although I didn't know I had the ear infection yet, I lost all the bass in my hearing. I couldn't hear bass. I could only hear, you know, uh, like treble and and pings and ting, ting, ting. everything sounded like somebody stepping on china. Ting 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 ting. And it was driving me nuts, you know. And the Voyager theme, you know, that was and my kids are yelling, you know, talking, and it's just and my wife. I just I wanted to. Oh man, I felt like you know when William Shatner got tinnitus from that explosion on the Gorn episode, you know, and he had the ringing in the ears. That's was like you know. So anyway, I was supposed to resolved eventually. Well, yeah, but I had to go to the well. I, see, I was supposed to fly somewhere for a conference for when I worked at the other fire alarm place, and they were going to send me out for some trade show up in Tennessee or something. And I was concerned about flying, so I went to the doctor and I said, "Look, should I get on a plane?" Because this was really it, it made my ears hurt, and it was starting to mess up my equilibrium. 
and that's why I went to the doctor. I'm like, I'm supposed to fly out somewhere in about a week. He's like, no, you should not get on a plane under any circumstances because you could blow out your eardrums. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I won't be taking that flight after all. Probably good not to have done that. Though. Yeah, so so they sent somebody else in my place, and I eventually regained my sanity and my hearing. Well, you're hearing. Eh? <laughs> well, perhaps neither. I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm trying to remember the exact line. Did you ever see, uh, was it Walk Hard? The Dewey Cox story with John C. Riley? Now, is that supposed to be a parody or no? Oh, absolutely. Okay, no, I have not seen it. <laughs> there's, there's, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It's been a long time since I saw it. There's a scene early on where the kids are playing with like a machete. And one of them cuts the other one in half. What? And the, the, the doctor comes over. He's, he's, he says something defective like, that's the worst case of being cut in half I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and the father turns around and says, doctor... We're not all geniuses. Say it in English, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting the actual lines wrong, but you get the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Want to read some email? Hold on. Ah, sorry, I had to stick my finger in my ear. <laughs> Come on, what's the next line? I'm not sure. Don't stick that finger in your ear. You don't know where that finger's been. Oh, the air, airplane. <laughs> totally blew it. <sighs> I don't know. I'm just, just after hearing your ear story, I think you were serious for a second. I was just I was just sitting here thinking I'm happy that he's not sticking it somewhere else. <laughs> well, I did have a kidney stone. Ew. <laughs> really? We hadn't heard. No. I yeah, Really? Uh, spins mail. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight emails. So why don't we get? Why don't we just jump right into them? Well, we, I'll, I'll take the first one. What do we got for preamble? We got any preamble? This is a preamble, preamble. You got to edit some of that preamble. I'm gonna have to play with it. Yeah. All right. I always find something. Maybe I'll get you explaining what bilateral is, because bilateral. Because it's so confusing. Uh, by two in a line. <laughs> you have. Well, I mean, when that would talk be, English, Doc. Well, well, <laughs> bilateral. I mean, he threw me. I'm like, bilateral? What? Two? Lateral. That's a cross here. Oh, I get it. <laughs> email. Email time. Email time. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I I had some little songs for you. Um, I was thinking of, uh, let's see. What was the one I can't see? see not, now, now that I'm on the spot, I can't remember. It was, uh, you know, to write said Fred. You yeah. know. <clears throat> me, 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 la, la. I was doing it as Arnold, too. La, la. I'm too sexy for the show. Too sexy for the show. Too sexy. See, that's a horrible, horrible Arnold, isn't it? It's not one of your better ones. I'm not feeling Arnold tonight, so. I'm too sexy for the show. Too sexy for the show. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it. I'm the producer. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I do my little show with my snowball. With my snowball. With my snowball. Yeah. I crack the whip on my co hosts. Do, 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 do. Do we have you going whoosh, whoosh. Sorry, I, I guess that's it. That's all I got. And that just the one song, or did you have more than one? Uh, the other one was uh, to Mr. Sandman. 
you know, boom, 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 Mr. Spataro, yes, bring me a show, boom, 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 tell Bill and Scott where to go, if they don't bring a freaking book, we're gonna throw their ass right out of here, which I didn't bring a book, good night, folks. I bring nothing to the table except my music, and that ain't much. Oh, well, we got the email. Hey. There's always email. There's always the email. And I, I actually appreciate that there's always email. Speaking so of which. So our first piece of email today is from Jason Sandberg. I haven't heard from Jason for a while, I don't think. Mm. Paul, Bill, and Scott. Scoot. I listened to episode 157 while mowing the yard today. Your coverage of Jack Kirby's Bicentennial battle, Battles added to my Independence Day. <laughs> Hit a rock. So hopefully he didn't get a foot or anything while he was sent to waste. Yipe, 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 Shot the rock. In the American the tradition of dissent, I need to take issue with Scott's observation that anybody can podcast. True, the technology has been democratized. And just about anyone can record their voice and digitally distribute an MP3 file. But as a podcast listener, I'm writing to tell you that not anybody can podcast. Time is precious, and it takes a special talent and personality to keep listeners engaged. Believe me, I'm always trying new podcasts, and more often than not, I unsubscribe after a few listens. Back to the Bins is an example of how chemistry and knowledge bring value to a podcasting recording. You guys make magic by sharing your enthusiasm and keep us all coming back episode after episode. Imagine walking down the street and giving a microphone to John Q. Public. What are the odds that John Q. Public could keep me listening for hundreds of hours like Michael Bailey or J. David Weider? You guys have more than microphones and computers. You have talent. Wow, that's, that, those are bold <laughs> words, Jason. Thank you so much. It's uh, pra- undeserved praise. Yeah, that's the way I feel, but uh, but I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, if you could see, I, I mean, uh, we're we're in two separate rooms, hundreds and hundreds of miles apart, but Bill is probably blushing the same way I am right now. That's just gas. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the coverage and discussion of Bicentennial Battles. My first comic book was Jack Kirby's Captain America 214, so this era has a special place in my heart. I agree with Scott that the narrative was Bob Haney-style crazy, but I always viewed this book as Kirby depicting a Fourth of July parade in comic book form, a series of floats passing the viewer, each depicting a disassociated historical theme from American history. I found it refreshing that Kirby excluded the usual presidents and generals and highlighted heroic and extraordinary citizens. Ben Franklin having only served as an ambassador and delegate. He ripped me off! (laughs) Sorry. This was post-Watergate, post-Vietnam patriotism. Like Paul said, warts and all. I think the unique quandary of American patriotism is that the the large misdeeds in our history are committed by politicians, but only some of us voted for them. Regardless of who you vote for, you're ruled by fallible men which is maybe why we're supposed to limit what the government can do in the first place. Well, I'm off to prep burgers for the grill. Hope you all had a great 4th of July, Jason Sandberg. Thanks for the email, Jason. Yes, I had a great 4th of July. I hope everybody else did, and we're pretty well beyond that now, but uh, it took us that long to get to your email, and I do appreciate it, and I appreciate the sentiments. Uh, I think what you said about the book is 
pretty much echoing my feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember the, we had some good discussion on that, and I think I brought Scott around to a different line of thinking on the theme of the story. Yeah, I think he was, he was uh, you know, he, he was enjoying it as trippy, but not enjoying it on a narrative level to speak of, and I think you did kind of raise his tolerance and uh, enjoyment of it. Hmm. Maybe because I'm a history major. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Uh, well, oh, uh, I remember what I did for Fourth of July. I took uh, three sparklers and made myself, uh, I did I did Wolverine again with three lit sparklers holding it up. I don't know if anybody saw that picture. I uh, don't recall seeing that one. Yes, that was, uh, <laughs> I was a little concerned about that stunt. <laughs> what, this is burning my hand. Where's my healing factor? Crap. <laughs> So, all right, now on to the next one. And I'm oh, I'm so tempted to steal an, an, an Andy Leyland thing. Some say. <laughs> so, so you did it for me. <laughs> Some say. He sends an email to every podcast on the, on the feed. But that's okay, because we still love him. And he's Luke Giaconetti. And I wonder if Cap will still be around for Tricentennial Tactics. Is the title. My fellow Americans. You're supposed to hum, Paul. Exactly. For Independence Day, I was very happy to see the Back to the Bin special covering Captain America's Bicentennial Battles. I have this treasure edition in collected form in the second volume of Captain America by Jack Kirby, titled, appropriately, Bicentennial Battles. I had this volume on my to-read pile, so it moved up a few spots so that I could enjoy this episode. I, for one, really dug Kirby's trippy cosmic retrospective on the history of our country. Had this been a rah-rah sort of story, I probably would have loved it as well. But I, I really jived with what Kirby was doing here, that the history of our country is a long, hard road, but the struggle is ultimately worth it. The last segment of the book encapsulates this to me. The struggle has given us the ability to savor our moments of peace and tranquility. We have opportunity unparalleled in all the world, and we have the future stretching before us all. Especially compared with Engelhart's turn on the series, with the Secret Empire, Cap becoming Nomad, and so forth. All of which had a very cynical, borderline, anti-American tone to it. This reads to me as a celebration. I personally attribute the story as... A Christmas Carol style story. The trippier aspects of the story fit in very nicely with what the King was doing in the main book. We tend to think of Kirby's crazy stuff as being more in his DC work, but his 70s stint on Captain America had some equally bizarre stuff, including Mad Bomb, which I believe we have touched on or covered. We did the first issue of that. Mm -hmm. And that had Henry Kissinger, I think. Yeah, uh, that was like a year ago that we did that. Wow, has it been? Wow. That was before I was in... Before I went to Disney with you guys, because I remember while we were online, we were talking about it. Oh, okay. The Night People, Agron, and so forth. I had mentioned this to Scott when he had covered the Action Comics Bicentennial story, but being born in 1980, I missed the Bicentennial. But I wish I could have been around for oh, it. Oh, Luke, he's young. I remember that. I, I remember watching the tall ships coming into New York Harbor on TV, because I was in Virginia. So, obviously, I didn't see it, but I remember, you know, the big parade of ships going by the Statue of Liberty and all that. 
You were there. You were actually piloting one of those ships, weren't you? No, but I was in the area by the Verrazano Bridge, sitting on the uh, the grass and watching the ships go by. Mm. What's it told to get across that thing? The last time I was up there was like twelve bucks. Yeah, it's something like that. I don't know. You know, that's insane. Since I started with Easy Pass. I just go through and I try to pretend that there's no fee. God, that, that's that's crazy. Anyway, sorry. Back to the email. I consider myself a patriot, and while we're not a perfect nation, the United States is the greatest nation in the history of time, and I say that without irony or smirking. So I'm going to keep this issue along with that bicentennial issue of Action Comics, once I find a physical copy of it, as annual Independence Day reading. Thanks for covering this, fellas. Luke. And as always, thank you, Mr. Jackany, for writing in. Yes, thank you, Luke. And uh, again, I think that also hit on... Uh, I think Luke and I also agree with uh, the issue and how how to interpret and Kirby's input on it. Mm-hmm. Our next email, next time on email, <laughs> it's uh, Kirk Groenveld sent a, an email titled "Burn Victim Episodes Comment Episode Comment." Just finished Back to the Bins Burn Victims. You guys seem to have missed that the Spaceman Survivor in Critical Error was John Byrne. It's a self-portrait. At the time, it jumped right out at us. And yes, I was bowled over by the story as the rest of you. The fact that it had no dialogue except for a few pictograms showing his thoughts connecting the clues incorrectly was wonderful. I agree that he could have, should have, done more independent projects like those. But in today's pre-order or miss it entirely marketplace, I'd never see it coming. Mm. There's virtually no more point of purchase shopping in smaller shops. P.S. I love I love this. My first episode of BTB, and enjoyed BTTB, mm. and enjoyed your animated discussions, double entendre, and dirty jokes. Andy Leyland is always a delight to hear, whether he's on the Fantastic Cast or not, and whether he's right or not. Hi, Andrew. So sorry to hear he is suspending his Hey Kids Comics podcast, but that only means he'll be more available for guest stars like this one. Good job. Well, I hope Kurt wants to keep listening to Back to the Bins <laughs> even when Andy's not on it. <laughs> because he didn't get to hear any of the regulars. But that's okay. Because that was the Assistant Editor's Month, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I haven't and read... You know, I've been thinking about Assistant Editor's Month and what I... Cause uh, just to, to pull back, back the curtain a little, I kind of handpicked the teams that did the assistant editor shows. And what I did was I just picked people who, to me, naturally belong together but have never done Back to the Bins as a group before. You know, I had the Dinner for Geek guys together. I had uh, Andy with Mike Bailey and, and J. David Weeder. Like, it, it just seemed like a natural combination to me. Mm-hmm. If we replay assistant editors month some at some point i think what i want to try and do is pick up pick, or put together some like strange combinations people that people have never been together yeah people who you just wouldn't picture together mm. you know get like chris honeywell and uh i don't know uh i'm trying to think of somebody who who just you wouldn't think of with chris Stephen you, lacy? you know who steven lacy yeah you know that's yeah that's not a bad combo i, th- I think it would probably be like Groups of two instead of trying to overdo it, but get like four groups of two people that you, you know, maybe, maybe, or maybe Chris and like Bob Fisher, mm. you know, just just people who you wouldn't normally imagine together on a regular on a regular show, 
and and see what kind of uh, chemistry they end up having together. Maybe Steve oh. Lacey and Luke Giaconetti might be a good combo. I think they. Not, Although I think... Luke, yeah, Luke's been on the Fantastic Cast, I think. Yes, yes, he has. Yeah, I remember that. So forget that. That combo's never happening. Nine. And then uh, Hey Kids is going to keep continuing because um, Michael is not going off to university or college, whatever they call that over there. Yeah, I think he's going to university, but he's going but to But there's no college. dorms, yeah. There's yeah so he's, he'll he's, be... he's not moving into university. Right. But, uh, yeah, I was listening to them just this morning, and it was funny because uh, Bins came up, and Andy's comment was, oh, they, they keep it coming every week. It's hard to keep up with it. <laughs> Well, they do too. That that kettle looks so black to a pot. <laughs> Which one are you up to? I was listening to the second clones one. I think I'm yeah, a clone that's now. the one that just came out today. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was behind because now I'm falling behind on other things, so I haven't even listened. I'm, I'm, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> on to our next email, which is by Mr. Timothy Elliot and. I, of course, I don't know when that show is going to be out. He had sent us our first, my first email on the Starblazers stuff, but I don't know when that's coming out. So, but this isn't a Starblazers podcast, so nobody cares. Greetings, greetings, Earthlings. Oh, back to the bins, one fifty nine or burn notice. Greetings, assistant editors, Michael, Andrew, and Mister Weeter. I just caught your episode focusing on the talents of Mister Burned, and I applaud you three. A great show about a great artist and writer. But I must admit I'm more partial to his pencil than word processor. I guess all comic fans discover Byrne at some point in their reading slash collecting. And mine was the summer of 85. No, that's the summer of 69. Sorry. That was when I was born. Anyway. Oh, shut up. <laughs> When I started reading the tail end of his Fantastic Four run, this led to Alpha Flight, then over to DC for Superman, and I was hopelessly hooked. I'm lucky enough to own an original page of art for Superman, oh, excuse me, for Spider-Man, Chapter 1, Issue 7. I thought the three issues you picked were a good representation of Byrne's work. There's enough great Byrne work out there for his own theme month. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would like to know your opinion on his OMAC limited series. I have that, and it's been a long time since I've read that. Um, I really enjoyed it, but if this has been covered in an earlier Back to the Bins, I apologize. I'm slowly catching up on my back episodes. I will keep this short. Great job filling in for Paul and Dr. Bill. Cheers, Tim Elliott. I don't know if he's asking for our opinion on Burns Omac or the assistant editor's opinions, I since the letter is is, is yeah, written to, to them. Yeah, to to them, but we're reading it, so I mean, I don't think we've, I don't think Omac has been done. The burn we haven't okay. covered that. We Omac has been on because we did do the DC presents that had Omac in it. Okay, but we haven't done the burn Omac. I have that. It's I like put a it on four, cheap on eBay. Four issues, black with. Just black like a white. standalone cover, what, the interior's black and white? Yeah, I seem to remember it being. Maybe it is. Isn't one of, like, a kid that looks like a, like he's from the 40s or something, like a newspaper boy? 
don't recall. Uh, I bought it a while ago, and I've never sat down and read it. I've been meaning to, and I just haven't. I'd like to read that one of the the one they covered that had no dialogue because I don't think I've ever read that. Um, oh, the uh, I forgot the name of it now. The, yeah, the, the one the, the independent one with the critical error. Criti- yeah, because yeah, that's. I've, that's it's a good that's a good you know it, well I was gonna say it's a good read but it's a good uh, I don't know what you call it when it's got no no written words in it. <laughs> mm. Well, he's also been doing. Um, it's entertaining. The photo novels too, which was pretty cool. I think I I peaked a gander at one. I haven't gotten to those yet either. I feel like I'm falling so far behind on everything. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, that too. Now our next email is from. Tim Elliott, which is about Back to the Bins 161 Assistant Editors Month. Greetings, three geeks, four Back to Dinner Bins crew. Welcome back, Scott, and a warm Texas howdy to Jeff and Ron. Just Ron. By the way, what's that? Just Ron. Yeah. By the way, where is, what's his name, the toy guy? Ryan. Ryan, yes. Couldn't get him to read a comic? Enjoyed the show, but I will keep this short. Uh... Just to interrupt, yeah, they probably couldn't get Ryan to read a comic because when I invited them on, uh, Ryan basically said, thanks for the invite, but I don't read comics. So <laughs> that was that. In reference to Scott's pick, The Super Friends, I believe DC brought the trio of Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog back in the 2000s. This was a modern retelling of the classic three, but it doesn't end well as Wonder Dog viciously kills Wendy and Marvin. My memory may be cheating, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Great show, guys. I'll see you back on D4G. Cheers, Tim Elliott. My memory of that is it was in the Teen Titans book shortly before they rebooted the universe for the New 52. And that Wonder Dog, and they actually called him Wonder Dog, was a mutated villain's dog that he made it to look normal and there were wendy and marvin there and he killed the dog killed marvin but not wendy i think and then wonder dog happened to go buy a korean restaurant and that was it for him <laughs> send all hate mail to like the Dr. computer Bill. like the computer geek for the titans for a while huh you, do you remember that at all bill nope Okay. I, mean, well, I don't know if my if my memory is exactly correct, but I'm pretty sure it's close to that. If it's not, I, I bowed out of the out of the Teen Titans uh, in the '90s because I got it. I was heavily into the Teen Titans when Perez was doing it. So, yes, I mean, so was I. That 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 was when I started, and I went back and got all those back back issues. And then when they changed formats, when they jumped ahead like a year, so you had two books coming out. You had the and you you had to make up that that year. They had the Baxter paper books that came out, and then they were still printing a year's worth of books after that. And then I still kept getting those even after they caught up. And I want to say, yeah, that would have been I th- think just before I went into the service, like in '88, maybe '89. And then I kind of bowed out of uh, DC pretty much as a whole for a while, and was pretty much just doing Marvel. When I was in the service. Yeah, I, I got into the Titans a little, just a little bit before the uh, the Perez Wolfman run, uh, and I and I started 
seeking out the older issues in the back issue bins for a while. And and then they came out with the reboot, which I was all over that. And so, then on so, to our next letter. We come to Jason Trenner. Not spam. Fenboy is prime. Hey, guys. Yeah, a bit... Oh, God, there I go with Christopher. Hey, guys. You always go into Christopher Walken when you do it. That's the way I read his emails as, because they're just... <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. So, hey, guys. Yeah, a bit of a surprise to get this coming out sooner than a lot of other eps. But I saw this, and there wasn't a Tales of the JSA uh, up. Anyway, three interesting choices for X-Factor issues to cover. A look at Cyclops. <clears throat> I just can't keep doing this. <laughs> a look at Cyclops. Oh, so professional, clearing my voice on air. A look at Cyclops plus Angel being changed in ways that still matter to the character, even if Warren can't remember them. The most famous issue of Pad's X Factor runs and Pietro regaining his powers. And shortly after. That will claim a scroll did all the bad stuff in Mighty Avengers. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not kidding. Pietro really does use that excuse, and for the most part, it works. His daughter Luna sees through it and telepathically tells him he sucks. No, it's just, tells him he is <laughs> he had he lost all her respect. Well, yeah, I guess he did say he sucks. For that and finesse of the Avengers Academy figures it out and uses that as leverage to get more training from him. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Training and stuff not in the lesson plans at the academy. <laughs> oh, the stuff he learned from Magneto and being a terrorist. Oh, I, you know, I think I remember that. I think I was picking that up at the beginning of that. I think, yeah, okay. But I haven't read on past that. pretty much that point. I've been trying to pick him up on the cheap. Uh, I'd say more on the pad issue, but not really much hasn't already been said on that really great issue. Definitely glad someone brought it to the table for the issue, or excuse me, for the episode. Well, working on refilling the email bag again, Jason Trenner. Thank you, Jason. Our next email is titled Month of July and Beyond. Beyond, on, on, on. Hi, guys. I wasn't really sure if I was going to like Assistant Editor's Month because I figured you wouldn't be on it. But I was wrong. We were on it? No, I guess he was wrong that he wasn't going to like it. <laughs> My mistake. All the episodes were pretty good. I had only one comic of the ones talked about, and that was What If Spider-Man Rescued Gwen Stacy on episode 160 or Assistant Editor's Month Week 3. And, of course, I enjoyed the email episode. I remember writing to the show, but had no, I had no idea I wrote so many. <laughs> To catch you up on me, I finally purchased my Planet of the Apes DVD set from Amazon. And yes, I used your Amazon link. <sighs> Hope you can use the proceeds to upgrade equipment or something. Which? Not the snowball microphone. Paul has. <laughs> I wanted to thank you guys for mentioning my podcast, the DC Comics Presents show. I'm glad you like it. And yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I still don't think I'm comfortable podcasting yet. I just hope that doesn't show in the final product. I don't think it really does. I think it, it's, you know, like anything, it gets smoother as it goes on, but I don't really see problems with it anyway. Well, you know, at least you're by yourself. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't do a show by myself, so. Well, yeah, wait. Well, well, tip the hat. What's that? Yeah, because you'd probably just push yourself around the whole show. 
<laughs> oh, you're so, so just so weak. <laughs> you told me to do that. <laughs> I'm sure the butterflies will go away in time. Better go for now. Continued success, and thank you once again for keeping me entertained at work. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, Clarksburg West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. If listeners haven't sought out Russell's show yet, please do. Uh, especially, he's, he's covering a great series. He's doing a great job with it. And like I said, I don't hear any problems with it to begin with, but even at that, every, every show seems to be getting just a little bit smoother on top of that. Mm-hmm. And I think we have one more, do we not? Yes, the final email. I hold here the final piece of email. Wait, wait, wait. We have to copy Andy. Why don't you read it, Bill? But it's nothing on this piece of paper. (laughs) Why don't you read the email, then? Oh, okay. All right. And it is from Mitchell Drury, or better known as... Dewey the Mailman. Dewey the Mailman. Dewey the Mailman. Yes. Hey, I am listening to the show as I walk my route, and I was talking about the death of Superman comic. Uh, Yeah, because from his other one, he was mentioning a a comic that he didn't want Scott, or didn't want us to do. What was that one? Do we need to go back and roll the tape, Jim, and see what the other... uh, No, I think he he said uh, you should do Man of Steel 75... Oh, okay, okay. That's but it, but it was. I don't think it's Man of Steel seventy five. I think it's just Superman seventy five. Mm. And I know Scott started the show, but I wanted to take a, a jab at Scott. Oh my! <laughs> don't poke the bear. I was glad to hear that you were not on the Geek Out Loud show because the guy I thought was you ripped the Star Wars prequels and sounded like he knew how to do it better than the guy who created it. Anyway, glad you are back. Uh, are back. The other guys did a good job filling in for you. But the Dinner for Geeks guys was hard to hear with all the background noise going on. Don't get me long, wrong. I like their show, but when I tune in at the at, into a Back to the Bins episode, it was hard to understand them. Uh, will you guys do a Guardians of the Galaxy show with the comics and then your thoughts on the movie itself? Check. Done that. <laughs> I like to listen to your movie recaps as much as the regular show. Now this is for Dr. Bill. Uh-oh. Your Apollo Smiles coverage is nowhere near as long as Scott's explanation of his letter grade of a comic. I swear, (laughs) as I listened to his letter grade, I must have blacked out because I was walking on 7th Street, and the next thing I know, I'm on 14th Street, and Scott was still explaining his grade of some comic that I lost track of what it was. Jeez! Scott can drag out an explanation. (laughs) I only... uh, (laughs) I only wish his recaps were as long because I love to hear a detailed description. So, Dr. Bill, don't let them give you any crap about Apollo Smiles anymore. Thanks again for a great show. What, 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 what? You know what, Dewey? Thanks for the email and all. Apollo Smiles sucked. (laughs) Uh, P.S. Like I said before, I do like Scott. I just like to rip him to pieces. Thanks. Well, we all like to rip Scott to pieces. It's just the nature of the beast. Rawr! So now I think we'll take a break and get back with some books in a little while. We'll take a breather. (sighs) It was the dawn of the third age of comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? 
to portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. This is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Short Box Showcase. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Ah. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only right, Dogs a are inside. I'm ready to do some old-time comic book talking. All right. I've been. I've just been waiting for you. You uh, said you had to. I don't know. Pish on your dog or something. Whatever you were saying there. So you, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. I have to I'm go good pee to... on the dog, but I'm done. <laughs> That's disgusting. Did you guys realize a taco cat spelled backwards is taco cat? What the hell is a taco cat? There's a picture of a cat in a taco suit. (laughs) And it's delicious. (laughs) You know, I don't know who's been making these Superman versus the Hulk uh, videos, but they're pretty damn cool, man. Have you seen these? That's that's been out, hasn't it? I thought they'd been out for a while. I think I saw one. Yeah, it's got the the Christopher Reeve. um, Yeah. Fighting the Hulk. Here, There's I'll... one here of the Hulk just beating the shit out of Superman, and it's really good looking. But I mean, who's producing this? These because that I mean, this Superman in these really does look like Reeves, or Reeve rather. Re 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 Reeves. Oh, okay. Right here, my first, uh, Star Trek continues. Hmm? I watched uh, the first episode of it. Oh, did you? What, what, so, the, what do you the think? The Apollo of the... episode. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Of... Pretty good. I enjoyed it. What do you think of the guy that plays Kirk? Uh, my I, man I crush. Think he looks the part. Uh, he's he's a little too he's a little soft, more soft spoken than I'd like, but other than that, I think he's a pretty good Kirk. He's got the Kirk burns. Come down to the point. He's got the look. Yeah. He doesn't he, have the voice. He's he's got the barrel chest when he takes his shirt off. <laughs> he's and he's definitely got the look more than anybody else on the show. Oh, Nobody wow. else you don't really like... kinda resembles their character quite as much, including uh James Dewan's son. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the guy from Mythbusters playing Sulu? Is that no, who I it mean, is? You know yeah. what? Everybody's okay. Everybody's fine, but nobody really you like you'd you'd never mix the two up is what I'm saying. Oh. I I I put the taco cat thing up. Are you guys gonna download it or, or is it I'm not downloaded? Oh right sorry, now. sorry, sorry, I didn't hear it. Don't be yourself, dude. Stupid taco cat. Where is it? Come on, load already. Come on, I want the taco cat. Uh, that sounds God, good. Damn, this video is awesome. Oh, you, you, he's still oh. watching Superman and, and the Hulk. I think this must be a new one because I've never seen this one before, and it's awesome. Well, share it, you bastard. I am gonna share it. 
No, it is. It's really good. Where is my Aaron Gray picture? It says it's eight months old, so I guess I'm new to... Or, yeah, new. I guess I'm uh, late to the party on this one, but damn. It's pretty intense. You just take your time sending it over, though. I just shared it. I didn't get it. Oh, I shared it on Facebook. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, okay, yeah, oh, I would get that right away. audio to that. Okay, hang on. I didn't realize there was audio to it. Damn, it just came on, like, super loud, too. Oh, not pig face again. There's got to be a link to this somewhere, right? Pig face. No, it's just in... I hate that pig. It's just in uh, it's just in Facebook, but I shared it on Facebook. Oh, wait, did I share it? I think I shared it. Yeah, you shared it. I'm looking at it now. All right. I'm still There's trying. There's an to... HD button on it too, so you can see it in HD. All right. Here's the picture of me and Aaron Gray. I just put it up in the the other thing. What uh, what are you? I don't know what the f- it is. <laughs> Skype that window. You and Aaron. Chat window. So you can. Oh, see seriously, that the picture, man. I love that picture. I gotta sleep at some t- at some point. Okay, you're not sleeping with him. <laughs> All right, I, I can't run this video right now. It's taking too much bandwidth from me. Oh, there is sound. I, I'm, oh, okay, here we go. Now I think this is one I saw before. What the? Okay. All right. What are you looking Seriously, at? You guys don't. You guys don't like my pig picture. Wow, He's man, such an whole... innocent looking little guy. It just looks too much like you is the pro Oh, there we go. <laughs> I mean my Facebook picture. Damn, she's a fine I'm telling you, man. She's Whew. Now what is she like? Seventy? Sixty four. She's rubbing her boobs on me too, Bill. What? What? What did I miss that? She's got one pressed right up against you, buddy. Oh well yeah. Well yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was yeah, trying to did- you did have J.J. Abrams taking this picture. <laughs> More lens flare. See, you guys are wondering what was taking me so long. She's <laughs> a cougar. Yeah, you got your picture, and then you went into the bathroom to have a quick wank, and then you were there for the panel. Yep, I know. Quick, I'll, I'll be right back, guys. I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, why do you think that that, that, that print came in a plastic sleeve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Inconceivable. All right. Uh, Superman's still beating up the Hulk. Are we doing a show? All right, yeah. Let's do Superman the Hulk. Let's do this book. Come on. It's getting. Right, we've been on for two hours already. Hang on here. I gotta. I wanted uh, to make sure that. Right, see, here's the funny thing. So I wasn't gonna say anything about the 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 showcase issue, and then I thought, ah, what the hell? I'll bust his chops a little bit. So about the time that I, I left the message, I thought. I hope he doesn't go and change his book or something, because it'd be my luck to go and change his book and it'd be like Brave and the Bold or something. You change your book and it's Brave and the Bold. I'm like, son of a bitch. Why the only Brave reason I Bold say that is because I don't know if it still holds the record, but I know it did at one time as being the most reviewed book on Back to the Bins was, you know, title, I mean, was was um, Brave and the Bold. I do believe we've done more issues of Brave and the Bold than anything else we've ever talked about on the show. I, I told Bill, little by little, I've been uh, going back over the issues, and I've pretty much covered all the issues since I joined the show, and I'm working on the others before that now. Uh, and what I've done was change the artwork for each episode to, to have the covers like what I do each week. Mm-hmm. But I've been going back retroactively and doing them. And I think, actually, uh, just right back in your face, my friend, I think Marvel Team-Up has been the most reviewed book. Is it really? Yes. 
Bam! Pretty, Marvel pretty team up? Oh, we've done so many issues of that lately. Huh. In the last couple of years, we've I done so even, many issues of team up. Man, I don't even remember us doing Marvel issues. That's well, because you were never here. Oh, okay, I was just going to say, is this episodes I was actually here for? <laughs> the both of you okay no 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 that's not why i'm laughing uh, no that's, that's not why, why i'm laughing that's why he's laughing don't have you seen out. any of these videos that dean siesla i don't know where we met him was dean siesla yeah, yeah i know him yeah have i, I met him yeah have you seen these videos he's put on here with i guess i don't know if this is his wife or his daughter about his they're like showing his son or i, I they're showing the baby floating in a pool with clothes on like how to float to keep from drowning. <laughs> okay, no. I don't know if I should share it if they think I'm weird if I f- try to share it. You know, because this kid's floating on his back in a pool and there's this woman there. She takes the kid and flips him over. Like puts, f- turns him, puts his face down in the water and flips him over on his back and he's face down in the water and the kid just rolls right back on his back. But, but I mean, it's like somebody's torturing a baby to start with. <laughs> I Maybe that's, I shouldn't have been laughing at that. <laughs> but it's like, oh my god, what do they do? Oh, 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 he's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you look at uh, something from Dean, but anyway, let's, we're not here to look at floating babies. All right, so now I'm just going to look quickly here. Now that we're changing the subject off Bill's fascinating talk, uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy episode. I did an issue of Marvel Team Up. Now going back. Ah, oh, Jesus! Now he feels he a point. I'm, He's yeah, I got to prove it because uh, you, you had to say, Ooh, did you oh, see, you're braving the... Uh, did you see this classic Avengers And when picture? we did our Spider-Man issue, we had an issue of Marvel Team-Up. Then the issue bef- the episode before that with the less interesting duo, issue of Marvel Team-Up. Issue before that with Charlie uh, Niedermeyer, an ep- issue of Marvel Team-Up. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Spataro, bitches. Or is it him? No, Somebody's I think it's something. him because I don't hear him at all. Okay. What? Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right, yeah, because because I disappeared for a minute. It went bloop, 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 bloop. I don't see any Brave and the Bold issues. Going back. I'm waiting until I find one. Yeah, you keep going back. It's because I think I'm sure we called the moratorium the on it for a while was the thing. What's that? I think we called a moratorium on it for a while because we had done so many issues of it. Go ahead, Paul. I'm not say sure it. If we've say ever it. done one while I've been on the show. Um, say it, Paul. You said it on uh, the profits. Come on. What did I say? Oh, you're just not getting the vibe from me. No, I'm missing it. The line was drawn here. Oh. <laughs> I did say that, didn't I? Yeah. I'm not sure we did any episode of Bra- issue of Brave and the Bold since I've been on the all show. Right, all right. You know what? Because. Oh, here we go. Here's another Marvel team up. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you make these bold statements. Oh, that's the most one. We've done so many of I it. Didn't, we haven't done I one. Did, not I one. did not, not make a break. One. No, I said I thought because at one time it, I, I think that it was. But yeah, I, didn't, I was not being definitive. It's nice to hear you take the, take, take the piss out of somebody else for a change. <laughs> oh, you shut up. <laughs> no, you shut up. <laughs> I'm almost I'm almost through my entire run. Oh God. Yep, not one brave in the bold. What are you Horton? What, what is it? What, what's the elephant that you know? 
I heard of an, who? An, elef- right. an elephant never forgets. Now you started something. This is going to be the episode, you know. Want to be starting something. Try to get over. Yeah, yeah. Too low so, to get under. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, you, no, you started shit now. Stuck so, in the middle. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. The pain. Go ahead. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Either one, Mr. Big Shot. I mama say, Mama say, Mama say. Shut up! <laughs> I had a list here somewhere of all. You know, all this is going in the show. Oh. Yeah, I know. This is the show now. All right, let's see. See, you haven't gone back enough with your project that's pissing me off. I went back as all far as I've been on the show. Since I've been on the show, we've oh, never. Oh, I see. You don't give a shit about anything before you came along. Well, important before Bill. Same old show. Before Paul came along. Before Paul came along, the show wasn't even worth listening to. Ah, that's it. I brought life to this thing, baby. Back here where we need you. Yeah, we need you a lot because we got him on the spot. All right, tell me that I was part of this episode. Back to the bins number 94 where we did... uh, Ducking Bay 94. I wonder who the hell was on this episode. 94, I would have been on. I got to listen to that one. Man, I don't remember talking about any of these goddamn books. I began in the 90s. It's because you hardly ever hear. Who liked us? Was I on an 80s? Oh, okay, I do remember Tomahawk. That was awesome. No, it oh, wasn't. Tomahawk, that's the one we killed the Indian boy? <laughs> yeah, that just oh. so hard. I remember that. Oh, one. Real Heroes. That was awesome. I love that one. Black Lightning. God damn it, I'm not seeing a single one. Not a single I know one. you're not. They say they don't exist. <laughs> when the hell did we cover this issue of Defenders where the Hulk was fighting Hyperion? Oh, I had to be on that because I covered the Karate Kid. You were on that? Yeah, you, you did the Karate Kid issue. Bill did Grimjack. Man, why do I not remember you talking about that Defenders issue? I guess it was forgettable. I, I, guess think, I, it, I think it's probably because I surf porn during your parts of the show. I think that's... I think it's because you do too many drugs. No, that's the other host of Two True Freaks. You know, that's the second time in a week that I've heard that, too, where somebody has oh. said something and I had to go, no, 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 that's the other host of Two True Freaks. Specifically related to drugs, too. See, the problem is what we've determined is that the more drugs he takes, the worse my memory gets. We have that Corsican Brothers thing going on. Ow. Oh, ow. Sorry, the cat just jumped across me. Son of a bitch. I am not seeing a single issue of Raven the Bull. I know you're not. That's because they don't I, exist. See, I think what it was, possibly, is that Michael and I called a moratorium on Brave and the Bold right before you came in. And it's just stuck all this time. <laughs> but you never told me about a moratorium on it. I didn't avoid Brave and the Bold for you, and neither did Bill. Well, see, I would have... you haven't been on for six years. I would have lifted the moratorium before now if I had realized that it's been this long since we've actually done... Wait a minute, when the hell Scott, did you guys Scott, do... You really don't have to worry about lifting the moratorium. We didn't even know it existed. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would have done it for myself, because there's issues I would have liked to... Damn, you guys covered Doom 2099 when I wasn't... Every time I miss a show, that's when you guys do the awesome ones. I'm, I'm here Doom for... Doom 2099 was Professor Ah, <sighs> You guys are killing me. Killing me! Only because we're trying... I'm trying to get my cat to meow. I'm torturing with food, and he's not. All right, going I take for it. it back. I'm not. I'm not seeing any brave in the bowl. I know here. you're not. I told you. you All right, but you're also saying that Marvel team up, and I'm only seeing one of those. Where are there more Marvel? Look a little harder. Look a little right, harder. Open those eyes. Open back through again. Jesus Christ! All right, I've seen one so far. Will you two stop fighting? 
<laughs> All right, there's two. All right. I needed there's a three. Honey. There's four. Jesus, you didn't even space them out. There's three episodes in a row with a Marvel team up. I know. There's only 150 in the series. <sighs> amateurs. I'm surrounded by amateurs. That's the problem. We're trying. <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> you got to find that clip. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. <laughs> Mayonnaise. All right, let's see. Before we get cranking here, I think... You're going to go pick a new book because we did too many Marvel team-ups? No. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm putting a moratorium on it. Something now. <laughs> I'm going to put a Paul moratorium on the show. You keep your shit up. Jesus Christ. Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I got in trouble when I was a kid for singing that. Because I was doing it while I was cleaning up the uh, the cat litter box, and I was going, "Jesus Christ, superstar! Why does the cat have to poop so far?" And my dad's like, well, "Are you taking the Lord's name in vain, man?" I, I got the soap treatment. I'm like, "I'm singing a song. It's a song I heard on the radio. I learned it from you." And I have a list here of all of the guest stars or guest hosts, rather, between episodes 19 and 37. But I don't seem to have my master list anymore of what the goddamn comics were that we covered. Well, I'm I know going I used to little have... by little, as you saw from going through the site. I'm going through it little by little and adding the covers in. Got to give me some time. Little by little. Little by little. Because I only started. I only started posting them with the covers. Around issue, uh, around episode one twenty or so. You know what we used. So I've gone to back have, and done all the ones before that. We used to have what the hell? What's what's the address for the for the um for the forum? Oh, boy, Damn, I haven't been to the forum in forever and a day. I've never been there. Next time I go there, will be my first. You've never been to the Two True Freaks forum? Nope. We used to have, yeah, there was something on there. Not for all of them. There was some of them there. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a thread that listed a bunch. I was pretty self-impressed, which is not an uncommon event for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are you looking at? I, I, went, I went back to the very beginning, and it, episode two, you did some book called Ironclads at War. Yes. I was impressed that I was able to find that cover, put it on there. You did? You found it? See, I could send though. I can I could have sent it to you. Okay, well I that's my databases. Huh? I found it. I was like I said, oh, I was okay. impressed that I was able to find it, but I was. Is there still a forum link on our Well the Sugar Daddy's Avengers issue that you did in the first episode? I wasn't sure I was gonna be able to find those, but I did. See, I was trying to I was I, I was trying to go with like unusual stuff and I think I went a little too off the beaten path with some of that stuff. Something like Apollo Smile, perhaps? See, no, nothing shit like that. We used to have a link to our to our forum, and I th think it got dropped from all from the podcast page because it was dead. Nobody was using it anymore, and I think retroactively, when it got changed, it changed everything. 
this is going to change everything. Yeah, see, I'm looking now, and it's, yeah, everything references the Facebook group. Things are going to start oh. happening to me now. Damn, I can't, I can't believe I've forgotten the name of the uh, of the forum. I don't, was, I it, don't. Uh, was it the shared forum with HHWLOD? Yeah. But what, what the was comic the comic forum? Is it like the League of Comic Book Podcasters? No, it was something else. Uh, see, now I can't. ComicForums.com? Was that the name I, of it? It might have been. I don't think I have a link to it anymore either. I think that was a one computer, one or two computers ago when I used to go on a forum. That was at Celebration Six. Was really the last time I really used it, or it's, just yeah, just, just a, soon, you know soon after that. Yeah, it's been a long time because everybody stopped using it. Oh, it's whatever. Just, little by little, I will get the uh, I will get the episode. You know, I will get the photos for every episode up there, and then you'll be able to check, and we'll see how many Brave and the Bold's we did. Well, you did before I was on. Is that I don't know. That Soon. may there may have been many. Soon, Paul will rule the world. Forum for geeks. That was Forum, that. For, Forum geeks. for geeks. That's it. All right, here it is. Back <laughs> to the bins thread. You sound like Rock from uh, the Star Trek episode. What a little girl's made of. That was the equation left here by the old ones. The old ones. <laughs> The forms, the forms were abandoned. That was the equation. Forms. The old ones. He wasn't talking about us, was he? Mm, yeah, I think just Paul. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Nehemiah posting today that it's been 20 years since he started high school. I felt like going over there and just smacking him. Since he started? It's been over 20 years since I left. It's like 25, 26 years. It's been 30 years since I graduated college. <laughs> Jesus. Wait, they had colleges back then? Well, we had, you know, we had school mom, and we were all in one classroom, <laughs> right on the back of a shovel with chalk. It was the school of hard knocks. <laughs> That's the school I went to. Da -da 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 -da. You know, we had a calculator back then. We used to call it an abacus. Abacus. Hey, abacus. <laughs> so, are we gonna do any books here? Or are we gonna just? <laughs> no, you started the books. shit. Now I'm gonna find this list. No, you started me. the shit. I just proved that you were wrong. Two freaks enter, one freak leaves. Two freaks <laughs> enter, one freak leaves. Freak has never killed freak. Until now. <laughs> God damn it, I'm going to find this list if it kills me. No, you know what? I'm not arguing with you. You may have done plenty of Brave and the Bold. No, no, no that's okay. I'm show. arguing with you. So My yeah. point is we have not done any episodes of Brave and the Bold since I've been on the show. And I've been on the show like three years. So I think we're okay. Producer Paul runs Bartertown. Say louder. He thinks he does. He thinks he does. Producer Paul Let's, runs Bartertown. See, I like to drop in from time to time to just remind him of of what the rank structure is around here. Well, let's let's yeah, your rank, dude. Okay, Colonel Clean. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're Colonel Clean. Let's be realistic. If I didn't take this show by the by the reins, by the balls. <laughs> By the boy. by the short hairs, by the baby. Yeah. If I hadn't done that, <laughs> this show would have stopped being produced and pod faded like two years ago. I, I don't. Can't, I, I can't argue with that. And I would have never become the internet superstar that I am. <laughs> I made Sorry. you, and I will break you. <laughs> God damn it. I've gone through every page of this thing and Listen can't find it. Listen to the frustration right. of Scott. So it's not, all right, it's not on this page is the problem. It's, 
it must be on a separate page from the actual Back to the Bins thread, which makes no sense at all. I'm waiting for him uh, to kick you off, Paul, like like Kirk. I have hey, wait, had wait, wait, wait. enough hey, wait, wait. of you. Here we go. The Back to the Bins omnibus. Omnibus. This is it. And this not, is set the alpha. Phone. I'm not finding a single goddamn Brave and the Bold. <laughs> Here we go. You episode lie. 17, we covered Brave and the Bold 170. What, episode 17? Yeah. We're up to like 165. And that's the only one that's listed here. All right. <laughs> Screw this. I know we have covered many issues of Back to the... Or, yeah, Back to the... I'm Back sure you have. I'm sure you and Bailey did. Back did. when it was a, a cute little show that you guys did. <laughs> now that this is a professional production coming from New York. Wait, what, what show are you talking about? We tried it once your way, Scott. Are you game for a rematch? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at the superior intellect. Oh, my I'm laughing God. at the superior podcast. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Are we ready to get into this now? I'm having too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fun's not going to stop just because we're going to get into our books, because I'm sure there's going to be some wild wackiness going on here. Yeah, but right now you remind me of, of the abominable snowman after... Uh... What's his name? Pulled his teeth out. You got a mighty humble bumble. <laughs> okay, whatever. Gardner's bounce. <laughs> I'm telling you, we did a lot of episodes covering Brave and the Bold. It's all that was the whole yes. point that I was trying to make. Yes, back when you were Alec Berg's age. <laughs> whatever happened to that dude, anyway? I tried to get him on for the... What was the special episode that we did? 100th? 100th? Yeah. Never heard anything from him. I tried. That would have been interesting if he had come on. Yeah. I'm just curious what he's up to these days. He's got to be up to what? He's got to be about 13 now. <laughs> he's probably in a bell tower waiting for Paul to what come by. I mean, from the sound of things, he was probably about 15 or 16 when you were doing the show. I forget, yeah. He, he he's was, probably... He's He's probably in his early 20s now. Yeah. Trying to figure out where you live, Paul. Take my spot on the show, will you? I'll get you. All right. Are we bringing it in? Bring table here, Scott. Are you bringing it in, or we're already in the we've, show? We've oh. been brought in. All right. Actually, we never did. <clears throat> yeah, we never did an official bringer in her. That's all right. If they don't know us by now. All right. If you don't. All right, so a little a little bit of history, a little bit of history on this book before we get into it. Which book? Uh, the book I'm bringing in today. Mm. So if you listen, God, that third to, Marvel team up book in a row. When that? Shut up. When is this? <laughs> <laughs> when is this episode going up? I don't know. Year or so. All right. So if you listen to the august 2014 episode of comics monthly monday you're going to get the whole story about where this book comes from for for my collection right so bought this as part of a a bunch of books out of a dollar bin find at my old lcs recently now i was you know i was just stunned by this to find this book for a dollar because it definitely prices far above that even in like really rotten shape which this book is not it's actually in really good shape so i was just mystified like why in the world would this book be in the dollar bin couldn't figure it out well i'd never actually opened the book 
And upon opening the book, and again, it's in great condition. There's nothing wrong with it. However, the the mystery was slightly lessened for me upon actually opening the book because it reeks, and I mean reeks of cigarettes, really, really strongly. I thought you were going to say cat piss. <laughs> Thankfully, book, book not. smells like Honeywell. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, I cannot believe this, but in, you know, all these years of collecting, I've been collecting since I was about nine, you know, seriously collecting comics since I was about nine. So, so damn near 40 years at this point. And I've got, you know, I, I got to be pushing 20,000 books at this point. And it suddenly occurred to me, I've never really had this problem before. I've had smelly books before, but it was always kind of like that pleasant smelly, you know, that, that comic book like moldy smell, you know. But I've never had one that like just reeked of something. And this one, like I say, just stinks of cigarette smoke so bad. So I went online doing a little bit of research about this to try to see, is there anything I can do about it at all? And everything I, I, I could, read. I solve that for you easy. What's that? Take up cigarette smoking and you won't notice it. <laughs> right. Uh, besides that, yeah, that's the last thing I need to be doing. Um, I, I found several different uh, articles about this that all seem to agree that uh, one of the best solutions is to bag it along with some, uh, what do you call them? Those, bacon. Those, uh, <laughs> not bacon. Um, you know, those dryer sheets. Those sheets oh, that you put yeah. in the dryer, like a bounce sheet type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really clear about how long to do that. But I'll tell you what, right after this recording, I'm going to try it. I'm going to bag it and board it, and I'm going to put it in there with a couple of uh, of dryer sheets. And you're not going to stick, for... stick it in the dryer, are you? No, it's dry. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They'll get I'm the wrinkles out of it. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I'm yeah, curious yeah, if that works. I've, I've heard that it works. So I was going to say... Febreze, but that would get the book wet, and that would screw it yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to do anything like that. So I'm curious if that'll work or not. But I don't want it to actually be in contact with the fabric sheets because I don't know if they have any sort of stuff inside of them or what. Well, just put it on the back side of the bag and board. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna put. Uh, I'll put it in there with like a, a board in the front and a board in the back, and then put the dryer sheets on the opposite side. And lemony. You know, I'll leave it for I don't know a week or two and see what happens with it. But supposedly it'll suck the smell right out of it. So we'll see. Anyway, in case you're curious what it is, going all the way back to March 1972 for this one. Can't believe this book is this old already. For Marvel Team Up, number one. And like I said, picked this sucker up for a dollar recently. Couldn't believe it. And uh, I'm thrilled because I, I was getting really close to a complete collection of this. Uh, at the time I picked it up, I lacked six issues for a complete collection. Now I lack like three issues, so I'm pretty excited because this is a this is a run I've wanted to have complete for a long, long time. So I don't believe I'd ever read this story before. If I did, I didn't remember it. I'm not sure where it's been reprinted, if it's been reprinted before. But uh, I'm going to interrupt you because the first time I ever read this story, it was in the Marvel Treasury Edition christmas issue oh back around 1975 or so i take it back yes i have that book as well i see i thought elements of it seemed familiar but i wasn't sure but i don't know what i was expecting opening it up because i couldn't really tell on the cover who the cover artist was i think it's gil kane but i didn't look it up when you guys can feel free to do that as i vamp here but i wasn't sure what i was expecting when i opened it up as far as the creative team 
you know, if, if somebody had asked me, who do you think, you know, did Marvel team up number one? I'm not sure who I would have said, but it really surprised me when I opened it up to see who it actually is. It's written by Roy Thomas and the arts by Ross Andrew. Just not who I was expecting. Uh, also, uh, Stan Lee was still on board as the editor of the book and Mike Esposito was the inker. Uh, stories entitled Have Yourself a Sandman Little Christmas, which is one goofy-ass title. The cover is Gil Kane. Is it Kane? Yeah, I thought it might be. Oh, wait a minute. Am I looking at the right one? Something about the way uh, Johnny Storm's ass is on fire just made it look like <laughs> Gil Kane to me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's Gil Kane and Frank Giacoya. Giacoya is the inker, and inside is Ross Andrew, Mike Esposito. So I like the uh, the opening splash page of the book is uh, Spider-Man standing in the middle of a web as the Human Torch is flying actually upside down and shooting fireballs at him. It's just a really, it's a very unusual pose for the two of them, but it's a very dynamic pose. I really like it. So the story starts out and it's Christmas time. It's actually the night before, actually the day before Christmas. So Christmas Eve. And Peter Parker is at the beach of all places because he's there to take pictures and to cover uh, what he hopes to, will be a, a news story that he can sell to J. Jonah Jameson for a little extra cash of the polar bear clan. Um, these nuts that actually go swimming uh, in upstate New York, or, or in this case, it's New York City, but, you know, in, in the northeast in the wintertime. I've actually seen these people do this myself, and it's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, he's watching this. He watched the people actually swim out into the water and everything. And then this fat lady suddenly starts screaming that, oh, my God, something alive just brushed past, uh, brushed past my legs. And she looks and she's being chased by a snake or tentacle, but it's made out of sand. And the tentacle thing crawls up onto the beach and it coalesces and it turns into... Of course, the Sandman. Now, this is the Sandman where he was wearing that really strange-looking green outfit of his. If you're thinking Sandman from, like, say, Spider-Man 3, the movie, now, it's the same guy, but not that same look. He's not wearing the Charlie Brown shirt this time. He's wearing... I don't even know how you would describe this. He, he almost looks like he's one of the... Um, he's like a mix between, like... Uh, Gorgon of the Inhumans and one of like the the uh, Rigelian recorders or something. He just looks really strange with this outfit. Is is this a holdover from when he was in the Frightful Four? Yeah, that's where Possibly. that. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's just, it, it, I guess the reason I don't like it for one, the helmet's really stupid looking, and the the neck portion of it looks like it almost looks like he's had a bad neck injury like it's supposed to be like a neck brace or something it's just really strange it looks like he has a jock strap on his head <laughs> it does actually <laughs> like he's wearing a jock <laughs> on his head <laughs> what an idiot so he you know he comes up and he's ah, i'm the sandman and he starts waving his arms and everything and he scares the hell out of all these uh, polar bear people and they go running for their lives so there just happens to be a couple of beat cops around who were for whatever reason they were there to i don't know to safeguard the the polar bears or so i don't know anyway they decide to rush him they go down to the beach and one of them tries to cuff the sandman but his cuff goes right through the sandman so then they try to tackle him and they go right through him and they call him a human sand castle so in the meantime peter parker goes you know behind he ducks behind a building strips off his clothes and uh, becomes Spider-Man to go down to the beach to actually battle the Sandman. 
and some really good fisticuffs, some really good action. I, I really like this scene. But when Spider-Man makes reference to the date of it being Christmas Eve, suddenly the Sandman, uh, he just gives up the fight. And even though Spider-Man has webbed him up, Sandman, because of the nature of his powers, he just absorbs himself into the beach and he's gone. He disappears. So what's really interesting about this is some of the way that uh, Spider-Man is characterized in this. At this point, he just kind of forgets about the Sandman. He's like, oh, I'll screw him. I've got a date. But before I do that, maybe I should put somebody else onto the, the track of the Sandman. You know, notify somebody else that the Sandman's on the loose so that I can go on my date with a clear conscience kind of thing. He goes to the Baxter building where he meets up with one hip-looking <laughs> Johnny Storm. Now, Johnny Storm, is he's dressed like Fred from Scooby-Doo. He's wearing an ascot. He's got a, a pink vest. He's got just the strangest looking shirt. It's like a lime green shirt with green, like amoebas. It's almost like amoebas or or octopus sucker marks or something. It's really bizarre looking. It's one very hip. Look. It's very happening. It's very Greg Brady. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. It's hip. It's now. It's wow. Now this is this was a lot of fun to read because this was at a time when. Clearly, these two liked each other. Clearly, they were had like a budding friendship, but their banter was very much like, you know, like they thought each one was kind of a jerk at the same time. But you can see the beginnings of, of their eventual friendship and everything. And what's interesting is that Spidey really does come here to kind of dump this problem off onto the Fantastic Four. And of course, Johnny's the only one that's home uh, in this particular story. And Spider-Man says something about Sandman being more the FF's problem than his. And that struck me as very weird because, now, I'll admit, I haven't read a lot of the earlier FF stuff. I'm an FF fan from Burn era FF. I haven't read a whole lot before that, that you know, that uh, part of the, the Fantastic Four's history. So I was aware that they had battled him. But I didn't realize there was ever a time when he was considered more their villain than Spider-Man's. I always think of Sp Sandman as being a Spider-Man bad guy. At this point, the only time Spider-Man had ever faced him was in issue four of his own series. See, that's no that other, no other fight with Sandman. Yeah. That but really he was a member of the Frightful Four, so the FF had faced him quite a few times. Huh. That's just weird. You know, it's weird to think about. You know, because like I say, more, you know, in the era I'm familiar with, he was, it seems like he was in a lot of issues uh, fighting Spider-Man. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember ever reading a story where he actually fought uh, the Fantastic Four. So it just kind of blew my mind that, I guess I knew that, you know, as a, you know, just as a piece of history or whatever, but actually reading it here just struck me as so weird. Anyway, so they decide that together they're going to set out to uh, to find the Sandman. And I think Spider-Man kind of does this to try to snap Johnny out of his funk. He's just not feeling the whole Christmas thing at this point. So they set out in an older model Fantastic Car, which I actually like. I think it's really cool looking, except for when they uh, show it from below. It looks a little silly with the little tiny wheels on it. But from above it, it looks cool. It actually looks a lot like the one from uh, the second Fantastic Four movie. 
So they're streaking all over the place. And, they, and in the process of comparing notes, they actually come upon sort of a half-assed plan for where they might be able to find the Sandman just based on where they've seen him come up before. And sure enough, their plan works. They On the way, they actually foil uh, an attempted robbery on this woman that's walking home. I'm going to interrupt you there. Do you know who the woman is? That's Misty. not Misty Knight, is it? Yes, it is. Is it really? It's her first appearance ever. I think really? what happened is they introduced her as a character and they said, hey, she looks like this character we had in Marvel Team-Up, so we'll say that's her. But if you go to the Marvel Comics database and look, her first appearance is Marvel Team-Up number one. Wow. Huh. I had no idea. Because I don't think she's referenced by name at all, is she? Nope. Huh. Yeah, I was just throwing that out there because she's the only uh, character I could think of that looked... Well, maybe uh, Glory Grant. I forgot about her. She kind of looked a little bit like that, too. But, huh. So that is Misty Knight, huh? Now, this yep. must be pre-Bionic Arm, then, right? I would Because otherwise, she'd be able to thump the hell out of these two guys that are chasing her, you would think, right? Yeah. And does, plus... Doesn't she know, like, Kung Fu and shit? I, I, I really think, though, that when they did this issue, they had no intention of having her be a character that would be revisited. I just think they were just trying to make her a damsel in distress. Right. But, I mean, if, if so, you're going to do that sort of thing, then, you, you know, you have to not only retcon the appearance, you have to retcon, like, her character and stuff. So I'm wondering what the in-universe reason would be that she didn't. Well, I'm trying to remember. I think she actually got the bionic arm after she was introduced. I don't think she was introduced in, you know, in, into the regular universe with a bionic arm. Oh, okay. I thought that came along later. You could be, you could be right. By the time I met her and whatever, I'm trying to think of the first time I ever saw Misty Knight was probably in latter issues of, I know it was something by Burn. It was either latter issues of Marvel Team Up or what else was she in? Was she ever in Iron Fist? Iron Fist? Yeah, I'm thinking Iron Fist was probably. My she first was also time. in the uh, X Men, the early X Men, uh, Burn, Claremont stuff. Oh, okay. With well, uh, I, Moses Magnum, that stuff. Okay. Well, I, I know by the time I met her, she had the bionic arm because that's why she always stood out in my memory was that she was bionic, you know, and at a time when you know everything bionic was still really cool. Well, so you know what? I'm, I'm just looking here on her biography, and it says she was in the police department and encountered terrorists attempting to bomb a bank. She retrieved the bomb, but it exploded, and her right arm had to be amputated and replaced with a cybernetic limb, uh, blah, blah, blah. She was removed from active patrol duty. I'm pretty sure she was no longer an active police officer when she was introduced, so... In theory, she would have the bionic arm at this point, or she would still be an active police officer, one or the other. Hmm. Okay. I want a bionic limb. <laughs> you get the bionic swing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, they foil this attempted uh, a robbery of her as she wanders home. They also stop a, a runaway cement mixer. Is this a cement mixer? Yeah, cement mixer truck from running into a Corvette, which was kind of cool. Usually expect that to be a truck full of with explosives. I, I, did. I thought it was a gas truck until I saw it on page uh, 13 there at the top panel. That's clearly a, a cement mixer. And eventually they do just happen to stumble across the Sandman. Again, some really good fisticuffs between the two of them. And the Sandman, he beats the living hell out of him. He uses Spider-Man as, as basically a rag doll. He takes him by the ankle and just smashes him against stuff until he's all stunned and everything. He takes uh, 
the human torch out by turning himself into a living sandstorm. And so once they're unconscious, he ties them together. He puts them inside of uh, a water tower to drown. But even though they figure out a way out of it, for some crazy reason, once they're out of it, they're like, eh, he didn't really mean to kill us. Did you Did you notice the way he kind of dropped us a hint as to how to get out of it? That part of it was an extreme stretch, I thought. You know, whether somebody thought I was going to live through it or not, just the simple fact that they tried to kill me would kind of piss me off. I wouldn't be so forgiving about it. So they track him down again, only this time, as they come busting in to apprehend him, he's changed to regular clothes, or as regular as these swinging 70s duds could possibly be. That is one horrid tie. (laughs) And... He's actually, he, he tells them, you know, shh, you know, keep the noise down and everything. He says, I'll come along peacefully in just a minute. And these two are kind of wondering, you know, what is going on here? It turns out that the Sandman, once he realized what the date was, he's actually come all this way to visit his sweet, loving, dying mom. She's old and she's sick and he just wanted to come see her as he always does on Christmas Eve. And he promises that he'll come along in just a minute. He just wants to see his ma. So Sandman, or excuse me, Spider-Man rather, he's actually kind of touched by this. And he reaches into his belt and he pulls out a present that he had actually intended to give to his girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, who was still alive at this point. Gives this to Sandman so that Sandman can give it to his mom. And it's like, oh, that's sweet. So Spider-Man and the Human Torch wait outside. And the Sandman asks for five minutes. Well, the five minutes comes and goes. So eventually, Spider-Man and the Torch go back in. And, of course, they have found that the Sandman has uh, ditched them. Mm -hmm. That he actually turned back into sand and went down the bathroom sink. And he's gone. And the story basically revolves with, eh, we'll catch him another time. In the meantime, Merry Christmas, everybody. And at the end of the story, we see... uh, Torch flying away in one direction. He's written, in flame, peace on earth, goodwill to men in the sky as Spider-Man swings off in the other direction. Not the strongest story, but it was a lot of fun. I really like the dialogue. I, I really enjoy uh, Roy Thomas's uh, writing quite a bit, even though, man, it's super wordy. It was still fun. I loved the jabs back and forth between uh, Spider-Man and the Human Torch. As I say... This was at a time when they weren't exactly buddy-buddy, pal-pal, but you could see the formation of that. Even though they're very adversarial, at the same time, it's evident that they respect each other, and they would never admit it, but they like each other, too. And I liked that. I thought the banter between them was really good, although some of the nicknames that they call each other, after about 10 pages, you realize that Roy Thomas was running a little thin on new nicknames. So you have things like Web Wit and some really strange ones that they call each other. But I really enjoyed it. I, I really like Ross Andrews' art a lot. Um, I always forget that he drew Spider-Man. I, I don't know why I always forget that. But every time I, I come across a Spider-Man with Ross Andrew, I'm surprised all over again. I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's right. He did Spider-Man. So it just it always comes back to me like that. But I enjoyed the hell out of this. I, I really liked it. And, uh, hey, it didn't hurt that I got it for a buck. So there you go. Um, I'll buy that for a dollar. There you go. Uh, let's see. Grades. Cover. I'm going to give. Let's see. See, I love me some Gil Kane, uh, especially from this era. The only thing that kind of sours it for me is, I again, I don't like the Sandman's stupid looking outfit. 
but I really well, he didn't create the outfit. This is true. I really like the cover. I love the the composition of it and everything. Um, I'll say, I'll say a B on this one. I, I think it's a solid B. I really like that that Spider Man is a little bit larger than the torch. He's clearly the the star or the intended star. His name is is bigger and bolder in the credits and everything. And uh, and I like that it's you know it's him and the torch kicking off the book because for a time the torch actually they went back and forth sharing being the main guy of the book for you know the very beginning it wasn't always Spider Man every single issue in the in the early issues of Marvel Team Up although eventually he would take over the book um, let's see what else story yeah I'll go with a. Uh, I'll go with a C plus. It wasn't a great story. It wasn't terrible. Um, the character beats really made it step up quite a bit. I liked Sandman's motivations and everything. I liked that the bad guy got away. I like it when it's not always the same formula every time. The fact that the bad guy got away at the end of it actually kind of made you know brought it up a bit. So I'll say a, a C plus for that. The art. Um, the art I really enjoyed. I, I think it's really good. I like Ross Andrew quite a bit. Um, Mike Esposito is yeah, he's a workmanlike inker. The colors are a little strange. I think they're a little muddy, but again, that could be this issue too. This issue is uh, unfortunately rather yellowed. So I'll say a uh, say like a, a, a B minus on the art. I think it could be a little bit crisper, but for the most part, it's really good. I like the art quite a bit. I, again, I really like Ross Andrew quite a lot. Spider-Man looks a little wonky in some of the, the pictures. Page six, third panel, he's deformed. There's no other way to, to word it. He's like, It looks like he's just suffered like a horrible back injury or something. It's, he's a little messed up looking there. But then other panels look really good, so there you go. But he's very spider-like in the way he moves. I like that. So, yeah. That's my grades. What do you guys got? That's my grades. <laughs> I like these covers. This this uh, I've got a couple other books that... Because it was about this time frame where they they had like one swath of color would, would fill the top with the title and then you'd have a... I, you know, you'd have the picture down below it. I remember some. I'm pretty sure I have some Avengers books like this, and some FF books. And I, I've I've always liked this style of cover, even though you technically get less on the cover. But I, I've always kind of in, enjoyed it. So I, I think I'm going to give go. I want to go the same uh, grade with the cover B plus, and I think for the story, yeah, it, it is nice that the villain does get away. Um. You know, you, it adds a little humanity to 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 a villain. You know that he is going to visit his sick mother in 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 the nursing home. Um, so I, I think I'm gonna uh, I I might I might even bump it up just a hair, maybe to a B minus. But I, I I'm gonna go back down a little on the art because I mean it's I'm gonna give a C plus for the art. It's just it's not my really it's it's okay. It tells the story. It's it's pretty smooth, but it doesn't really jump out at me. So I mean, I guess I'm kind of evening out to the same about the same grade that you have, just different in a few few categories. Well, I'm gonna bump you up a little bit anyway. I love this issue. 
the cover, cover wise, I'm not a fan of the limited picture space on it. Uh, I, I always thought that was a mistake that they made. Uh, but just the same, I like that this cover layout is unorthodox. Uh, no, nobody is facing the camera. It's certainly not intended as a poster image, although it would be a pretty cool poster. Um, <clears throat> the series came out, and originally it was intended to be a Spider-Man and Human Torch team-up, like Brave, you know, like uh, you know, uh, World's Finest was Batman and Superman. This was going to be Superman and uh, Spider-Man and the Human Torch, and they broke that up after three issues though and then in issue four it was spider-man and the x-men issue five spider-man and the vision and they went on to uh i think it was issue 18 was the next time the human torch was in and it was the human torch and the hulk right so human uh, torch and the ice man too at some point that was always, yeah, issue 20 something yeah i always liked when those two would team up although they didn't do it very often i always liked it when they did but effectively it, it started out as spider-man and the human torch then it became just a spider-man team-up book uh, a la Brave and the Bold, with the Human Torches, you know, spelling, spelling him occasionally, but it was never, never an even partnership by any means. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a really cool story, and I think maybe some of my fondness for it is because I read it in a holiday issue, and and it really does sit well with me as a holiday story. This could have easily been an issue that I would have done for uh, a Christmas special on the show. Uh, and I I think it just reads as kind of an evergreen story that I could read this any time and it's always going to be entertaining so I'm giving it an A- on the story I'm giving the cover a B plus and artwork wise I can understand why this isn't everybody's cup of tea but Ross Andrew was my first Spider-Man artist he was the regular artist on the book when I started reading Spider-Man and I think he had a real ability to draw people like they were people, not supermodels, not weightlifters. Uh, the the polar bears, you know, they really look that ugly in real life. It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's accurate. Uh, Sandman doesn't look like a weightlifter. In fact, he looks kind of bulky and, you know, he, he looks threatening, but he doesn't look like a weightlifter. Uh, Spider-Man looks very agile for, mo- for the most part. Johnny Storm was, you know, he was Greg Brady at the time, but that was fitting his personality and the style of the day. Uh, and yet, you know, Misty Knight is, uh, the way she's drawn, she's extremely pretty. So it's not that everybody's, you know, looking un- unappealing, but they're certainly looking much more human and realistic than I see in a lot of books nowadays. So I'm giving the art a B plus, and I'm giving the overall book a B plus. Cool. I like what you were saying about the the cover of the book, and you know, it occurs to me as I'm looking at the cover of your book, they have very similar covers in the way that the cover is laid out. Not necessarily the picture of the of the story portion, but just. You know, you know, put them side by side and take a look at them, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, because both the titles are blocked off in in color. Yeah, not, and you've got not all this negative picture. Yeah, you've got all this negative black space all around it. You know, at the top of it, it's it's just weird. And they're both twenty centers too. Well, they're, they're both books at around the same era, mm-hmm. and I I did that intentionally when. Uh, uh, originally, I was going to pick a different book, as you two are aware, and then uh, we decided to 
to not do that one just yet and <laughs> leave that be. And I thought it would be kind of cool, since you were doing Marvel Team-Up number one, to pick another Team-Up book and to do one around the same era. Right. So what I did was originally I said, okay, this this book came out in March of uh, 72. Let me see what came out in March of 72 in Brave and the Bold. Unfortunately, that was one of these 60-page giants with four co-stars, and it just seemed like a bear to... Uh, to read and synopsize, so I decided to just stick with the era, and I ended up going with March of 74, so it's two years later, but it is still in that same era. Books were all 20 cents at both times, and I ended up picking Brave and the Bold, number 111. Uh, question I have for you is, any more comments on Marvel Team-Up number one before I go to Brave and the Bold, 111? Nope, you're good. Nope. All right, so now... Uh, okay, let me just... In my notes. <laughs> okay, the cover of this one is by Jim. What do you Carrey. have? Like handwritten notes? Of course, I have notes. What do oh, you think? I can hear unprepared like you. He wants to be like Andy. I was prepared. I read it. <laughs> now you know what? If I, if I when I stumble over myself, even when I have hand, notes, when I don't have notes. I totally stumble. So whatever yeah, the case me, may. Me too. Yeah, you know, you just go on and on and on. And That's why on. I have to write the whole thing. Amateurs, surrounded by amateurs. I'm easily yeah. distracted. What? I'm easily... What? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. The cover of this issue is by Jim Aparo, and I, I think it's pretty much Jim Aparo at the height of his powers. Uh, it's Batman standing between the police and the Joker, uh, saying, stay back. Nobody lays a hand on my partner while I'm around. And then the title is Death Has the Last Laugh, which is also the title of our story. Story is by Bob Haney, and the art is by Jim Aparo. And in looking it up, apparently the art is really by Jim Aparo. The art, the penciling, the inking, the coloring, and the lettering are all credited to Jim Aparo. Part one of our story is titled A Batman's Rage. And we start off at a crime scene, and there's a note at the scene, purportedly from the Joker, that says he killed these four people because the father sent someone that the Joker didn't know to prison and that he, this is a warning to all do-gooders to, to not do so. Batman excuse me, warns Professor Gordon that he'd better find the Joker first if he wants him alive. Because Batman's totally enraged. Later on, the bodies are seen to have the signature Joker grins when they're in the morgue, which they didn't have earlier, and as Batman starts to investigate this and figure out why, he's knocked out from behind by somebody, but we don't see who. Next, we have a montage of Batman investigating the murder, but he doesn't really come up with anything. And later, a crime boss named Rizzo calls Commissioner Gordon's office with a tip that leads Batman to a Turkish bath. <laughs> and then there's a pretty cool sequence in the bath with the steam and everything, where he thinks to himself that his bat sense tells him that something is about to happen i didn't realize he had a bat sense until just then but uh bob haney apparently decided that he did did you see uh, uh dr zayas is in the turkish bath there right in front of batman <laughs> is he with uh james gregory <laughs> you know it's funny you should say that because in the opening page it's like when did uh, charlton heston become batman <laughs> By God, Joker, you've done the last criminal act. I swear this time I will hunt you down and destroy you like the mad dog you are, you maniac. 
You killed them all! Sorry. <laughs> Alright, so... As Batman's bat sense is warning him that something's about to happen, he sees the Joker stalking someone with a gun. Which leads us to part two, the unholy allies. As the Joker takes aim, Batman knocks the gun from his hand, and his intended victim picks up the gun and shoots Batman. Later, Batman's in a hospital, in, in a hospital bed, recovering, bare-chested, but his cowl in place. Gordon is visiting, and we learn that Batman only has a flesh wound. The two of them argue over methodology, and Gordon orders the police outside of the room to keep Batman there, which is promptly met with Batman leaping from the window. <laughs> not making it. He's not quite able to leap as far because he was wounded, but he grabs a gutter and keeps himself from falling. Come on, Scott. He then visits is... Commissioner Gordon, oh, which it's... kind of seems strange. I'm sorry, I was... what? I was going to say, that was where Scott should have put in his sound effect. Whoa! <laughs> 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 right, I could always back that up. <laughs> he, he, he then vis visits Commissioner Gordon who you would think would be kind of pissed at him for escaping after he told the police to stay there but he shares his theory that Slade the man that Joker had been stalking actually committed the murders and framed the Joker he states that in order to catch Slade he's going to have to make a deal with the Joker he leaves messages for the, for the Joker until the Joker contacts him and then he offers a truce which the Joker accepts but Commissioner Gordon has a chemical put on Batman that will allow him to trace his movements. Batman goes to a location provided by the Joker where a vintage underworld getaway wagon is being auctioned off. Slade buys the wagon and Batman sneaks into the back of the car, not wanting to confront him when there are people around. But apparently Slade knows that he's there and traps him with a bulletproof partition. And then as Slade speeds away, Batman jumps from the racing car as it turns a corner at 50 miles an hour. Which brings us to part three. Batman falls from the car off of a cliff into water just as the police give chase. He's then chided over the phone by the Joker because the police were following. And Batman puts up with a lot more bullshit than you would think he ever would to keep the Joker cooperative. And so the Joker gives Batman another tip which leads him to an old canal. But it's a trap. The Joker and Slade have been working together all along. And so, after using some expositional villain speak, the Joker opens the canal's lock gate, letting the water come in, crashing into the lock, and Batman is swept up by it. The Joker is savoring his victory, but he's unaware that underneath the torrent of water, Batman has grabbed a big rusty old mooring ring for, rig for safety, and he bursts out of the water, kicking Slade as the Joker flees. The Joker decides to steal the Batmobile, Batmobile, but he's unable to start it and is grabbed by Batman and brought to justice. And that's the end of our story. And this was just when I think, like, you know, sometimes you read a story and you say it's fun. And when you think about it too hard, it falls to pieces. You really didn't have to think about this one too hard. <laughs> it really started to fall to pieces <laughs> as I was reading it. But... I love the artwork in it. I think the cover is pretty cool. In my mind, it's pretty iconic. Uh, I would give the cover a B plus. I would give the artwork overall in the issue a B plus. Like I said, I think this is pretty much Jim Aparo at his best. But story-wise, there's just so many leaps in logic that you have to make. Uh, 
the biggest one of which is that Batman is kind of a buffoon and that he lets himself be led around in a way that the master detective should never. He lets so, Commissioner Gordon, I mean, put a tracer on him. World's greatest. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon tricks him, puts the tracer on him. Joker's treating him like his bitch, and he's he's putting up with it. <laughs> yeah, but he and, had that indecipherable code for the Batmobile. Yeah, that's that's the only part where where he seemed intelligent. I mean, uh, he would have been shot. You know, the fact that it was just a flesh wound and not a serious injury is just by happenstance. Uh, he he has to leap from a car at, at fifty miles an hour, and and he's lucky he landed in water instead of, I don't know, on a spiky stone or something. <laughs> and 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 then when they open the canal, it's just because he was able to grab a hold of that that rusty ring that he was able right. to save himself then. I mean, he he should have been dead three times over easily. So I, this is not the smart Batman that I expect to see. I don't like the infallible Batman. But I also don't want to see stupid Batman, and this is kind of stupid. Right. So, because of that, this story drops. It's the story would probably be about a C plus if he didn't seem so stupid, but it's to me it has to drop like a full letter grade for that, so it goes down to a D plus. So it's very hard to reconcile the art and the story and the cover. Uh, overall, I'm going to give this. I'm going to give the entire book a C plus just because I think the art brings it up that brings it up a full letter grade from the. Uh, from the story, but the story is just head scratching. Mm. What'd you guys think? Well, um, I really, I had forgot about the seventies muscle car Batmobile. I want one of those. I think this was, there was a series of Batmobiles. Oh, this is within the past 10 or 15 years. I forget who put them out. They were, Corgi. Was it Corgi? I think so. They were they were bigger than a Hot Wheel, mm-hmm. but they weren't as big as like say like a model car. They were somewhere in the middle. But they were they were die cast metal. They were really well done. And I don't know if it's this exact uh version of the Batmobile, but it's the one cl- really closest. It's it's not you know, it's not the TV show, the 60s TV show. It's not the other Batmobile like say from uh, like from Super Friends that looked a lot like this. It was one that was somewhere right. in the middle. Might have been this one, but I, I think it was just slightly more stylized than even this car right here. But yeah, I agree with you. I like this version of the Batmobile because it's very subtle. It, it could be basically be just a normal muscle car, except it's got you know the the bat the, hood on it, the bat cowl. Yeah, it's on it's the a hood. car that he took and 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 souped up, right? Which is which is. At least at this point, other than Alfred and Robin, he didn't have anybody working with him. So it's much more believable that he would proceed in that way right. as opposed to having a specially made car. Right. And it, and it is kind of cool. It also would be, because it isn't so, so incredibly distinctive, it would be easier for him to blend if he wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your train no, of thought no. there, Bill. No, 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 oh, no! I would love to have a have a corgi car of uh, of this Batmobile. That's and so would Alvin. I don't know if you guys could hear him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I did hear that. <laughs> but yeah, I I I like Jim Aparo's Batman, and he was doing Batman up into the '90s, wasn't he? Oh yeah, 
because yeah, I remember later on he 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 started to become less refined. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I had a roommate that uh, when I was in the Navy that he was big time into Aparo Batman. That's the, that's why I remember that he he was still doing it then. But but yeah, the the art here is really good. Uh, you know, like B plus. The story, like you said, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's like he's being led around like a like a lamb to the slaughter through the whole. You know, he's just ah. stupid is the word. Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Chump man. Uh. <laughs> um, even I was being sarcastic earlier when I said that that really indecipherable code to unlock the Batmobile. Really, Batman is your code to unlock the Batmobile. <laughs> Batman rocks with an X. <laughs> <laughs> or rules, <laughs> Batman rules, and it and it and it looks like it's on an eight-track player, which it would be, I guess. It's also bat- the Joker probably shouldn't be sweating quite as much as he is when he's trying to start the car. He wants to get away. He he's nervous. Care. The Joker's not supposed to care. If you catch me, fine. You catch me. I don't care. I'm crazy, <laughs> like a fox. You know what I mean? It's, it's it, it, that's part of his charm is that that he doesn't he just doesn't give a shit about anything. Hmm. He wouldn't get nervous because he doesn't care. The air conditioner's not working. Make it get hot. What was the something big is coming from DC in 1974? That says uh, at the end of it be, because it doesn't say what the next issue was. It just says something big is coming. That may have been right about the time of the explosion when they oh when they okay the issues bigger. I'm not sure. Mm. It may have been shortly after this. Mm. Oh, uh, cover. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. Uh, the cover is, uh, um, like I said, I like this. Uh, I'm not as well-versed in DC books, and I didn't know that they did the same thing until you, you pointed it out. Even though I looked at it earlier, it didn't hit me that it had the same style blocking with the title. Um, and this is a uh, this is a pretty cool cover, even though you know Batman is... Protecting the Joker here. Um, I I got to give this cover a B plus A minus. So I guess that would kind of bring the book overall back to like a C, because of the story bringing it down, but the art bringing it up. What about you, Scott? What do you think? Well, I I think you know, I think Bill just defined Brave and the Bold from this era with that because most of the stories. Not all of them, but most of the stories from Brave and the Bold, from this era, the reason why we remember them, the reason why we hold them in such high esteem, I've long said, is because of the Jim Apparel art. It's not because of Bob Haney's stories. Now, God bless Bob Haney. He did write some fun stuff and everything, but most of his stories were like this. They're zany. They're wacky. They, they don't make a hell of a lot of sense. The characters aren't terribly in character the way you would see them portrayed in other titles, you know, especially their own titles. And he didn't give a shit for continuity. I kind of like that about the guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes him a very unique person in, you know, the, the history of comics. That said, I think a lot of his stories are very easily forgettable. So if it wasn't for Apero's just stunning art in so many of the, these issues, if it had been done by somebody, say, 
I don't know, say Irv Norvik, for example, would we remember these stories today? I mean, would these be comics that we would hold in high regard or that would command, you know, high back issue prices? I, I just don't think so. So I think that's really why we so fondly remember uh, Brave and the Bold of, of this particular era is you look through this and the art is just amazing. I mean, Aparo's Batman is my Batman. I mean, this when I picture Batman in my head, this is the Batman that I picture is Jim Aparo's Batman from, you know, from the 70s. I just I love this shit. It's um I mean, it's this is right in my wheelhouse for Batman. I really like this. And I like, you know, even though, again, it's a little silly, I like some of the more unusual places that, that Bob Haney would send Batman in these stories. I mean, here we have a Batman who gets shot right in the chest, and then we see him a page later in the hospital, and he's stripped of all clothes except he's still got his, his cowl on. While he's recuperating in the house, it's just flat ridiculous. But Apero sells it; he makes it actually work. As ridiculous as it is, the artwork sells it to you. It's it's just fun. I love the part where he leaps and he misses his leap. Looks really great. But my favorite artistic touch in the entire book is where he's trapped in that ditch or gully or whatever it is by the Joker. And the Joker just opens the floodgates. That shot on the bottom of, uh, well, actually all of page 18 really looks really fantastic where the Batman realizes he's trapped. The uh, lock gates open up. He's got this stunned look like, uh-oh. And then he just gets plowed by the water. It's the <laughs> whole entire bottom of page 18 where he's just being swept away by the water is just great. And then the next page where he's hanging on to the ring for dear life. I mean, that's just a beautiful shot. Some of my favorite stuff with Apero to this very day is, you know, Apero also during right around this time or prior to this time was also he, he kind of cut his teeth and earned his bones by doing Aquaman. And he, he did Aquaman for quite a long time. Yeah, Some we of covered, my, I think we covered one of those uh-huh. uh, when... I think we, when J. David Weeder was on with Chris Honeywell, right? I think oh. so, yeah. I think we've covered a couple of them. Mm. And, you know, so some of my favorite stuff of Aparo's was when he would have Batman and Aquaman team up and they would be underwater together at least at some point during the story. Those are some of my, my absolute favorite Aparo stories because I, I love the way he draws Batman. I love the way he draws Aquaman. You put them together, and especially, again, scenes where they'd be underwater together, it looked a lot like this picture of Batman struggling underwater on page 19. I just There's something about the way he drew water and heroes underwater that just really worked. It, it was really dynamic. It's like he understood the way water would flow over a human form that just made it that much more believable, and I really like his stuff with that. That said, um, I'm not crazy about his Joker. His Joker just looks a little bit strange to me. I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it because this is, I mean, this is on model for the Joker of this era. I just don't really care for it. There's something a little bit little bit off with it. Um, I did not get a chance to read the story on this one, although I do think I've read it before. And I think it's just been a very long time, so I didn't remember the specifics of the story. So I can't really 
speak to that other than you know following along with the synopsis it certainly sounds like your typical wacky you know bob haney story um but i mean i I would give the uh i'd give the cover i think i'd give the the cover a straight up a i really like it uh the only reason it's not an a plus i mean there's always room for improvement here and there and again i'm not really crazy about this particular version of the joker but i mean i think it's a solid cover and it's an iconic cover because this cover was featured in a lot of house ads of the time. There's even a house ad in this very issue that features this cover on it. Uh, the interior art, uh, again, I'll give it an A because I think that Apero just continued to approve or improve rather over time. And I think uh, his Batman looks a little bit i don't know his his mouth is a little bit weird in some uh some parts of the book here and i think his batman just improved over time but i mean that's that's a minor criticism i think the art's really fantastic i love the inking um the coloring's a little bit strange but i mean this really is my batman and uh i i dug it i love the visual look of it um it's worth noting i i think that I didn't have to hunt for this issue because I actually have loaded onto my iPad. That's where I'm looking at it from is my iPad. I have loaded onto it right now. Um, every apparel book between Aquaman number 40 and brave and the bold 200, because I've been intending to read them in release order just to kind of study the development of Apero style. I, I've been doing that lately with certain artists. I did it with Neil Adams not long ago. Apero was on my list, and I've got a couple other ones as well. So I haven't started that project yet, but I've had it loaded up onto my uh, iPad for quite a while, just intending to do that because I think it's fun to to kind of read these these things, not quite in necessarily like a continuity order or whatever, but just more of a release order to, to gain a better understanding of the, of the development and the growth of a particular artist. I, I found that to be a lot of fun. Um, only other thing I got to say on this one is the inside back cover. Evil Knievel, Daredevil stunt cyclist, baby. <laughs> Love this ad. So this entire book could have completely sucked. I'm still going to give it a good grade just because Evil Knievel shows up. Evil Knievel was in too many books for me to give them all a good grade. There you go. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think this is just, you know, again, shortcomings to the story aside, it's just fun reading. This is what comic books is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing. You know, you're supposed to read these and have fun, and that's what this book is. This ad has the scramble, band, uh, scramble van in it. Evil Knievel scramble van. I had the Evil Knievel scramble van. And this thing where it shows that you could wind him up and send him and he would do a backflip over the top of the van, that's horseshit. Complete <laughs> horseshit. But it was still fun. I loved Evil Knievel. I just had Knievel with the car and the thing to rev him up. I mean, with the bike and the thing to rev him up. I didn't have the whole stadium and the and, and the van. But that's okay. I had the van. I had the cycle. I had the chopper. They had one that was a chopper. It was a chopper. <laughs> Ah, uh, but I had the Evil Knievel bicycle that had the plastic stuff that looked like the gas, you know, it had like Oh, a, yes. Yes, I had the full size and I wrecked on that. <laughs> oh, they Are had you just jumped some fountain somewhere. No, they had just paved 
I lived in the country and they had just paved the road and they had put – but we lived way out in the country. So when they paved it, they basically just came by and dropped tar and then they dropped like little tiny rocks on the road to give <laughs> you traction. So I was coming down and I don't know what happened, what, what I caught the wheel with, but the front tire stopped and I flew off the bike and then I landed and skidded through the gravel on my hands and my face and my knees and then the bike. That's what happened. I was just going to say, that's why he looks like that. I wondered. I didn't want to ask. And then the bike landed on top of me. Ow. Yeah. You Ow. know, if you go on YouTube, you'll see that something very similar happened to Evil himself. <laughs> yeah. That was. That was uh, so at. Um, I was probably eight or nine years old. I was my own little Evil Knievel. <laughs> <sighs> Apparently, you, you, that, that inspired you to look into a different career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.